Acts 24, 5 through 16. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Acts 24, 24 through 27. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Thank you. Good morning. I found myself at a Swiss air counter in New York City. We were on a way to uh, visit some of our family who was in France. And uh, we showed up at the Swiss air counter. We're in JFK. And, and as we uh, arrived to check in our luggage, uh, the attendant at the desk says, um, no, there's, there's no more room uh, on the flight. I'm like, what are you talking about? Here's my ticket. Here's my name, Rod Ritchie. Here's my seat. Here's Kina's seat. No, no, there's no more room on the flight. You should have been here three hours before the flight. And I'm like, it's two and a half hours before the flight. I'm right here. Here's my ticket. Here's my name. No, no, no. There's no room on the flight. And as I'm going through this rigmarole with the attendant, I see next to me another French man, and he's over here, and the French are a little more vibrant uh, when they're upset, and he is, he is really getting into it. They're giving him the same thing. Oh, no, no, you should have been here three hours before the flight. And he's like, oh, say, foo, it's crazy. What are you talking about? And hands are going everywhere. That's what the French people do. But basically, the end result for both of us was we didn't get on the flight. We'll give you a hotel certificate. You can stay at a hotel overnight. Hopefully, we'll get you on a flight tomorrow. So we go outside, and, and 
I go outside the, onto the sidewalk at JFK to go catch a shuttle, and I look over, and, and here is the uh, French man also. He's smoking profusely, and, and he's just upset, and, and he's with his wife, and they're just upset. And I go over to him, and I say, I, I see same thing happened to you. And he's like, oh, can you believe it? And I'm like, no, I can't believe it. And so it took 40 minutes for the shuttle to get us to the hotel. So we got that 40 minutes to spend with Jean-Luc and Claire. And so as we were talking on the sidewalk, and we ended up going to our hotel, in the lobby as we're checking in, we say, would you guys like to have dinner together and spend some time? And they're oh, we would love that. So we started to, to have dinner together and enjoy one another, and then came the question, what do you do from Jean-Luc? Well, I'm a pastor. What? What is this? Are you a priest? That's all he knew, a priest. I'm like, it's kind of like a priest. And he goes, I grew up Catholic, and so did Claire, and, and this was our life, and he's sharing their whole life in the in the Catholic Church, he's like, I just don't like church. They speak Latin all the time. I never understand what's going on. And we started talking about this. Then came, then came the accusations against the church and against God. How could a loving God allow such things to happen to people? Devastation. Things like we can't get our plane. How could God allow this? And so we started to talk about that. Literally, the conversation went on till midnight. And we talked about life, and we talked about spiritual things. And we go uh, to our room, and there's more to the story that I'll tell you at another time. (laughs) Paul was one who was on the road to Rome where the Lord was leading him. And all of a sudden, he started to realize there's, a, there's another purpose on the road to Rome. And one of the things I started to realize with Jean-Luc and Claire, as I started to sit back and go, huh, Lord, this delay, it's really a pain for us. We're missing several events that we were supposed to be at in France. But this delay, I'm starting to realize, is all about Jean-Luc and Claire, that you want us to share our faith on this road to Rome, in our case, the road to France. And Paul is starting to realize that as well. Paul is going to be heading towards the road to Rome. Eventually, he will be in Rome, the city. And I talked about last week that we all have a road to Rome. It's wherever God is fulfilling his purposes in us, wherever he's taking us to follow him. Paul is on his way, and his flight has been canceled. He's stuck in Caesarea. And he's starting to look to the Lord and go, Lord, what do you have me here for? And he's starting to realize that he is going to get the opportunity to boldly share his faith with those in the province of Caesarea on his road to Rome, that the Lord has so much more in store for him in his life. So much more spiritual life that he's going to bring to the table. 
And he's encouraging Paul as his flight is delayed in Caesarea, saying, Paul, continue to testify about me. And do you realize the Lord has the same for us? So much more. Continue to testify about me. Share your faith on the road to Rome. Let's pray for that this morning, that God will do that work in us. Father, I just thank you for that delay in New York City. And I thank you for, as we look at the scriptures, this delay, this flight canceled in Caesarea. And Father, uh, we want to live for you, and uh, we get so frustrated when we're slowed down in that. And so I just pray this morning that you will minister to us. I pray that you will help us to be still and know that you are God, that you will help us to see what's right in front of us, that you long for us to continue to testify about you, to share our faith on our way to wherever you're taking us. So, Father, we just ask your work in us this morning. Stir us up through your Holy Spirit. Put people on our minds that we can love up with your truth and care about them and bring the gospel to them. In your precious name, amen. Well, we're in Acts 24 this morning, a great passage, another uh, trial passage. You thought the impeachment trials were done. We're back in trials again in Acts 24. And here we go. This is what's happening. On the way to Rome, as we are sharing our faith, one of the things that we should expect is we should expect attack through false accusations. This is going to be part of the journey for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul, let me set the scene, Paul's been transported from Jerusalem. If you remember, he was in the Sanhedrin and he faced attack there and he was transported by 470 soldiers. You can't make this stuff up. God provided for him, protected him, 470 soldiers to take him from Jerusalem to Caesarea because there was 40 plus Jews who said, listen, we are not going to eat or sleep or drink or anything until Paul is dead. Remember that from last week? So God protects him, uses pagan Romans to send them safely to Caesarea. And Paul enters into his third trial here. Acts 24 is the third trial that he's been on. And the thing that we're going to find very similar to Jesus, we're seeing a lot of Jesus in the story of Paul uh, in this third trial. One of the things in my study I realized is, guess who was in Felix's role during the time of Jesus? You ever heard of a guy named Pilate? In Jesus' third trial, Pilate is the governor of Judea, just like the role that Felix has, as he will be the judge over Paul. There's many connections to Jesus in this story. And you know what? Oftentimes we wonder, why is there such strong attack on Christians throughout history? Why is there such strong attack Paul hasn't really done anything. And there's strong attack that's taking place. Let me just remind you, out of John 15, as sometimes we wrestle with, why such strong attack against me, against Christianity? Here's what Jesus says. 
If the world hates you, you need to know that it hated me before it hated you. You need to know that as a follower of Jesus Christ. When you're attacked, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of it, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, guess what, dear saints? They will also persecute you. This is what happens on our road to Rome. This is what happens when we share our faith. This is what happens when we're living out the life of Christ. We will be persecuted because our Lord has been persecuted. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, Jesus says. Because they do not know him, the Father who sent me. Paul is facing exactly what Jesus said followers of Jesus Christ would face. And here come the characters against Paul, really against Jesus. Here comes the attack against Jesus. There's Ananias, he's the high priest. He's the one who in Jerusalem said, slap that guy upside the head. How dare he speak in such a way in the Sanhedrin. Then they brought down to Caesarea Tertullus. He was a lawyer. He was a top-notch lawyer. There's actually plaques that they found that speak about what a great lawyer he was. Tertullus. You can call him Turtle. That's what I do. This case is presented before Felix, the governor of Judea. Again, Pilate had the same position. He was brutal. He was vicious. He and his brother Paulus were actually Roman slaves, but Paulus, his brother, became good, good friends with the emperor of Rome. And so as he became good friends and in good favor with the emperor, Paulus said to Claudius, listen, do you think you can get my brother a gig? Can you get him a job? And so out of a favor to Paulus, his brother, they're both slaves He gets him the job as governor of Judea. And so he's put in this role, but he rules fiercely. He was cruel beyond cruel. So here come all the Jews and leaders in the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees. We have the high priest Ananias. We have Turtle shows up, and he starts to to bring a lot of butter to Felix. He's buttering him up. Oh, Felix, you are so magnificent. You are the best. You have kept the peace. You are amazing. You have governed wisely. What great reform you have brought about. I'm sure he's going on. And by the way, you're such a handsome man. My goodness. And he just butter, butter, butter is pouring out. It's nauseating, truly, as you read the beginning of Acts. And then once he stops with the flattery, then he goes into the attack against Paul. Paul is one who is a troublemaker, this guy. Trouble, he's stirring things up all over the place. You see, what was so important, what was so important in Rome, they conquered everywhere, but they wanted to keep the peace, the Pax Romana. You're familiar with this. 
And so to stir things up, that was a big crime and you'd be put to death. So Turtle brings this, this thing. He's stirring everything up all over the world. Makes it really big. All over the world he's stirring it up. Attack, attack, attack. Isn't it interesting? This is the deal today for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Because this is the way Rome did it. Rome did it this. Hey, you can have your religion. You can have your religion. Practice it. I don't care what it is. But just don't stir anybody up with it. Isn't that happening today? Hey, Christians, have your truth, but don't trouble us with your truth. And whenever we talk about Christ, then we become haters, don't we? That's the label on us. How dare you stir things up? You're such haters. You're always troubling the world with your truth. Stop it. That's the accusation. You're a ringleader, Paul, of the Nazarene sect, the way. He came in and he desecrated the temple, is what he did. And so they said to Felix, examine Paul and you will learn the truth. That was actually the only true statement that there was. Paul's defense in verse 10, I just love it as he steps in. There's no butter at all. Here's what he says to Felix. This is the only flattery he got. Hey, Felix, uh, yes, you've governed this land for quite some time. That's it. That's all he said about Felix. Yep, you've governed this land for quite some time. We know together that everything that Tertullus said is absolutely bunk. It's totally false. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. Because you're a cruel leader. You haven't brought peace. You've brought up all kinds of struggle. Twelve days ago, I went up to Jerusalem, Paul is saying, and I went there, why? To worship God. That's what I did. And it was just a little bit ago. You know what? It takes a lot of time to stir up a riot. you got to plan. you got to get people together. You think I had time to actually get people together to stir up a riot? Uh Uh-uh. I didn't. They didn't find me arguing with anybody, stirring up in the synagogues. They can't prove any of this, Paul is saying. Here's what I admit to. I admit to worshiping God, the God of our fathers. I admit to that. I love God and the God of our fathers. I didn't take away from their worship. I basically added to it. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that they're looking for. I believe everything that agrees with the law, Paul is saying, and written in the prophets. I do have the same hope in God as these men. That there is a Messiah who will be the Savior of the world. He subtly keeps pointing to Jesus in this. I have lived rightly before God. I followed him in obedience. Basically saying, there's no hidden agenda in me. I don't come here like these guys with a hidden agenda. He's not saying that, but he's saying, I have come with a clear conscience. I haven't been trying to do stuff behind your back. I haven't been stirring things up. That's not true what they're saying. 
I came to Jerusalem, why? To bring the offerings and the gifts to the poor. I was ceremonially clean. I was cleansed before I entered the temple. There was no crowd. There was no disturbance that was taking place. Paul is making his defense. There were some Jews who were from Asia, from Turkey, and they're the ones who were trying to accuse me. And what he says is, they ought to be here. If they have a claim against me, they ought to be here. It was actually Roman law. So for Ananias and Tertullus to show up making these claims without the key witnesses, that was against the law. Felix let it slide because he's trying to keep peace with the Jews. The Sanhedrin needs to state, what is my crime? Unless the only thing I did is I mentioned the resurrection of the dead. So Paul makes his defense in another kangaroo court before Felix. I think it's interesting how Paul responded to the false accusations. And I think it's helpful to us as we think through as Christians and then also sometimes just some really personal attack. How do you respond to false accusations that are going on? One of the things I think is that he knew the attack would come. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus talked about. The thing that's beautiful in this scene is it's so much different than the way he reacted before the Sanhedrin. Do you remember that with Ananias there? He said to Ananias after he was struck, oh, God's going to strike you, Ananias, you whitewashed wall. He was really harsh and attacked back quickly. But I think what happened, do you remember in, in chapter 23, verse 11, it's that beautiful scene where it says, And Jesus stood by Paul. Right after he was smacked and thrown into jail, the Sanhedrin was going crazy. And Jesus stood by Paul, and he said, Be of courage, comforted him, ministered to him. As you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so shall you testify about me in Rome. This is where I'm sending you. So just trust me along the way. I am present, I'm your protector, I'm your covenant defender, I will get you to Rome. Rest in that truth. And I think Paul did. This time he didn't call him out, he didn't attack back. He speaks truth, he speaks respectfully to Felix and to those in the court. He seems to speak boldly and at the same time calmly but he continues to speak truth. And I just want to encourage you as followers of Jesus Christ, let us continue to speak boldly that which is true. What's happening, I think, in our culture and for us as Christians is we're tending to shy away. Why? Because the attack says this, you're a hater. How dare you say that about me? You're a hater. Which is a false accusation, right? But continue to speak truth. Hey, you know what? I know that's a struggle for you, but this is really what I see that marriage is meant to be like. This is true. This is what God intended to be. How dare you? Yeah, I'm not here to attack you. I'm just telling you what I know to be true 
about God's beautiful purpose of marriage. Don't shy away from speaking truth, dear saints. You're always going to get attacked. The world hates Jesus, and so it's going to hate you. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because when you keep speaking truth, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He keeps speaking truth, allowing the opportunity for the gospel to pour in. He keeps pointing to God and ultimately pointing to Jesus. And because of his Christ-likeness, his testimony is heard. Get that. Because of his Christ-likeness, the way he responded amidst attack, his testimony, his truth was heard. It wasn't heard in the Sanhedrin, was it? When he attacked back, he lost all of his testimony. And we come to see next that Felix not only heard, but he wants more. So Ananias and the gang leave. There's a political game. He's saying, well, I'm going to get Claudius Lysias here, and we'll figure this all out. Basically, he's just trying to keep the Jews at bay so they won't keep arguing. And so they take off. At this moment, because there was no real charge, they couldn't come up with enough evidence. At this moment, you need to understand something. Felix could have completely said, Paul, you're set free. He could have done that right there on the spot. You don't have any charges that stick. You could be set free. But he didn't. He kept them around. And you go, Lord, what are you doing? Along the road to Rome when we're sharing our faith, we need to have an answer for someone who asks for the hope that you have in Jesus. Verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul, and he heard him, listen to this, and he heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. That's what my title is this morning. Sharing your faith along the road to Rome. Whatever course the Lord has you. He brought him and he went into his presence and he listened to Paul share of his faith in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Drusilla was a Jewish. She was the daughter of Herod Agrippa. Powerful king. Granddaughter of Herod the Great. Herod is the one who, Herod the Great is the one who built this beautiful palace in Caesarea. He built everything. Amazing, amazing palaces all throughout Israel. There are still lots of remains there today. She was a stunning beauty. Together they were an incredible power couple. In our growth group, we were, we were like, they were a power couple like, like Brad and Angelina, and you call them Brangelina, you know? And then we started to come up with names for them. We're like, what would this power couple be? And so two names of possibilities, and maybe we can vote later, but we thought maybe Frasilli could be the power couple, or Drew Philly, Drew Philly. Frasilli or Drew Philly, we're not quite sure. We're going to do a vote after service. This power couple. Now what happened is Felix came, and with a magician, she was married, and he went to her and seduced her 
and brought her back with him to be his third wife. This was number three for him. And they were morally corrupt. They were power hungry. They were wicked to the core. It's really interesting in Caesarea, they found some ancient paintings of uh, Felix and Drusilla. I wanted you guys to, to see these ancient paintings. There they are. Apparently, Drusilla was also uh, the evil stepsister of Cinderella. We didn't know that. And Felix, the black cat, if you ever crossed him, uh, there would be trouble, is what would take place. All to say, this morally corrupt couple, this morally corrupt couple, evil, 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 they had a hunger to hear about Jesus. You see, you wrote them off right away, didn't you? I did. They're evil. Probably many of us wrote off Paul when he was killing the Christians. Evil. We tend to do that, don't we? But God doesn't write them off. They were hungry for the word of God. You have to realize that. People in this world are hungry for the word of God like Jean-Luc and Claire, all night till midnight, talking about spiritual things. And Paul shared the gospel with them. What did he talk about? Verse 25 says this, And he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Righteousness. What it looks like to be right with God, Through the Son, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I can envision Paul sitting with Felix and Drusilla and just talking about his testimony. Let me tell you what happened to me on the road to Damascus. I was totally against God. And he kept sharing. This is what it looks like to be right with God. That like Romans teaches us, Paul, there is not one that is righteous We need a Savior. We can't be right with God on our own. We've tried that. It doesn't work. And he talks about self-control. We only see this word one other time in Scripture, self-control. Do you know where that is? Yeah, fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. And so he's speaking about, here's what it looks like to be right with God and to live with Him. The only way that we can actually live in righteousness Righteousness is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to follow Him. And it's interesting to me that He picks one of the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Why? Because they had none. This was their area of sin that took over their lives, that really had them chained. They They were morally corrupt. They were murderous. They had no self-control. And so he speaks to that. He didn't shy away from truth. He kept speaking about you can be freed from this grip of sin because sin kills, and I don't want you to die in your sin. I want you to have salvation in Jesus Christ, just like Jesus wants for you. And then he spoke to them about the coming judgment. Do you understand? He's speaking to them. Here's, we serve a holy God. He is going to judge our lives. He gives us the freedom to choose Jesus or not. 
And we will all be standing before holy God. And he will say, you have loved my son, therefore you have loved me. Welcome, good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, I never knew you. You are separated from me forever. And when Felix heard these words, the Greek word was, he was terrified. He was absolutely terrified. Go away from me at this moment, and when I get an opportunity, I will summon you at the same time. He also hoped for money would be given to him by Paul. Still living in the flesh. You know, Felix is confronted, I think, with his sin. I think he's terrified about the reality. He knows what his life's all about. He knows he's stuck in this sin. He loves power. He's greedy. He's murderous. He's an awful person to the core. He's the Grinch. His heart is all shriveled up. And Paul keeps reaching out to him, and he's confronted with his sin. It's interesting to me that Felix kept summoning Paul to hear from him. When someone asks you, dear saints, for the hope that you have in Christ, do you have an answer for them? Let me ask you something. Have you ever just written out your testimony so that you are actually prepared? If someone's going to ask me about what it is about me that's different, who am I? What's going on? If someone's going to ask you that, do you have an answer? Listen to 1 Peter 3. Now, there's no one to harm you. He's talking about you're going to get attacked if you're zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you shall be blessed. Have no fear of them. Don't be troubled. But in your hearts, here's what I want you to do, dear saints. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared. Listen to this. Always being prepared to make a defense, to have an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. And trust me, if you're living the life of Christ out in this world, people are going to go, what is it about you? Why are you living in such a way? What are you, some kind of priest? They want to know what it is about you. They don't even quite understand what they're asking, but they want to know they're hungry for life. Have an answer. But this is beautiful in 1 Peter 3. Give your defense, have your reason for the hope you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. I think Paul was doing it here to Felix the governor. Have a good conscience so that you are not slandered. Those who who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Paul is given this beautiful opportunity to share his faith, And then look at verse 27. When two years had elapsed, two years, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, 
and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Ugh. Flight canceled. Really? Ah, Lord. Don't you feel like you want to come and defend Paul in here? Here's the deal. When we are sharing our faith on the road to Rome, we need to learn, like Paul did, to be present, to be present in the divine delay. It's a divine delay. And there's going to be divine appointments in this delay. We need to learn to be present. I felt like I wanted to defend Paul here. Lord, how's, how's your kingdom going to be forwarded without Paul in the picture? He's stuck in prison. What's, what's going to be happening here? Isn't it beautiful in the scriptures that, that Felix kept showing up? He kept wanting to know more. He kept asking more questions. And Paul kept sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was just uh, visiting a friend who's in prison uh, just this Friday. And he was frustrated because he was in his, in his previous uh, place. They moved, they moved his building. Uh, they moved him into another building. In his previous place, he was able to uh, make disciples. He was able to disciple guys. He had a really good ministry going on. Then they just recently moved him to the other block, and, and he's got nobody he can do that with. And so he said, man, I've just been frustrated because I've been wanting to be used of the kingdom in here. And, and I was having such joy making disciples with these other guys. But he said something to me that really hit me. He goes, you know what, Rod, I've learned something. He goes, in this delay, I've learned something that I was sitting on my bed the other day, and the Lord just spoke to me. Hey, listen, my child. I just want you to be still and know that I am God. And I want you to just receive my love. That's all I have for you today. In this delay. This divine delay. Would you be still and know that I am God? Take each day with I am present. I am leading you exactly where you need to be. And you may think this is really a bummer that I'm delayed. But I've got great purpose for you right here. And we need to learn as saints to be present right in the moment. So the rest of the story. So we get back to our rooms. It's about 1230 at night. In the morning, I guess. I get a phone call in my room. Jean-Luc. Bonjour, Claude. Qu'est-ce que tu fais? I'm like, I'm still awake. He asks, what are you doing? I'm like, still awake, Jean. And he's all, petit déjeuner demain? So he said, do you want to have breakfast tomorrow morning? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and so we got up early in the morning because we were able to get a plane. We got up early in the morning and we had breakfast together, Kina and I and Jean-Luc and Claire. And the whole conversation that morning was, what does it really look like What does it really look like to follow Jesus Christ? And I said, are you ready? And you know what? He said, you know what? We're not quite ready. 
We're not quite ready. But spiritually hungry and wanting to know what this really looked like. And so we kept the journey going on for quite some time. You know what? I don't know what happened with Jean, Luke, and Claire. Our relationship kind of faded away. Always asking spiritual questions. You know what? We don't ultimately know what happened to Felix's heart. But God wants us to keep sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. Guess what? We are not the Savior. Jesus is. He's the one who died on the cross for our sins. He's the one who rose again. He's the one who gives us life everlasting. He's the one who continues the rest of the story with Felix and Drusilla and Jean-Luc and Claire. And our call is let's just continue to share our faith on the road to Rome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these divine delays that you place in our life. That you still want us to, to share your beautiful truth about who you are and life in you. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that you will speak to us. I pray for those in this room this morning who have said, it's just not time, but they're feeling that tug on your heart. I pray, Father, that that you would minister to them right now, this very moment, that they wouldn't put you off anymore, that they would receive you as Lord and Savior. So, Father, we trust you for that. We thank you, Father, as we take communion this morning to remember you all that you did for us on the cross to give us life, that you paid for our sin, that you rose again, and you give us life to those who believe in you. Thank you that we remember this this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.